Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is the Believe in Patriots podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Brady Farkas. The Patriots are three and five. They're still on the fringes of the playoff conversation, although life gets tougher this week against Baltimore. But we're here to break down the 30 to 27 win over the New York Jets. You can follow me on Twitter at WDEV Radio Brady. You can follow Doug Flutie, the co host, the CFL Hall of Famer, the former Patriots quarterback, two times. You can follow him on Twitter at Doug Flutie. Our producer is Aaron Wells, pushing all the buttons in the background. As always, the podcast brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. BetOnline.ag, that's the website that you need to go to. The mobile app needs to be downloaded on your smartphone. The website needs to be on your favorites. And that is where, if you're going to put action on the game, and come on, we know you are going to put action on the game, that's the spot where you need to be doing it. Patriots, I haven't looked at the line yet. I can tell you they're going to be a seven and a half point dog. I can feel it against the Ravens. So if you want to throw some money on the Pats, I think you're going to be getting seven and a half. That's just my guess. I'll go after the words and check if I'm right. So betonline.ag, that's the place where you want to go to. The Patriots are three and five. We're feeling good. Aaron, let's get to the intro. What you're about to hear is a presentation of the Believe in Patriots podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. All the news, opinions, and insights on your six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Now it's your host, me, Brady Farkas, and Heisman Trophy winner, CFL Hall of Famer, and former Patriots quarterback, Doug Flutie. All right, welcome in, everybody. Once again, it is another edition of the Believe in Patriots podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Brady Farkas, Doug Flutie. Doug, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks. How's it going? Good. I know we you know, we only put out a limited number of video highlights, so most people don't see us, but you're wearing a great throwback Patriots shirt, and I am wearing my, my CFL garb in honor of you. This is my Montreal Alouette shirt today. Sweet. Sweet. <laughs> see, this isn't throwback to me. This is, this is what we were. You're wearing Pat Patriots, so you look uh, you look great there. Um, Patriots win thirty to twenty seven. We didn't get a chance to connect at the end of last week before the Jets game because you were off being a big shot, being on the broadcast call for Notre Dame Clemson. Given how the game played out, we're going to let you off the hook for that. What a game that was! That was huh? It was amazing. I know, I know Trevor Lawrence didn't play, but uh, DJ as a freshman came in and just lit it up for four hundred yards for Clemson and still. Uh, Ian Book, a quarterback for Notre Dame, gutsy, gutsy performance and came down the field at the end to tie it and then get it to overtime. And it was it was a great scene. You know what was fun? And I know there's a lot of issues with the COVID and all that, but the kids rushing the field, it felt like some sense of normalcy. Yeah, I can <laughs> for, even for having – even having a limited number of fans, I was going to ask you, that had to feel good. Having even just a limited number of fans had to feel good. Yeah, it was somewhere between fifteen to 20,000 fans were allowed. And uh, Notre Dame had scored in the second overtime, and Clemson took a sack. And it was third yeah. and extra long. 
and you could see the kids all correct, you know, coming down to the lower section and getting together. And then they got sacked again and created a fourth and a mile. And then they were all leaning, ready to go. And the, <laughs> the uh, security just got out of the way and said, the heck with it. The kids went up and over and it was, it felt like old times. I know that there may wind up being issues from it, but uh, it was kind of fun to see. What is better and what's a better environment, a good college game or a good pro game? Because you played in arguably one of the most famous college games in history with your pass to Gerard Phelan back in the 80s. What's what's a better environment, good college game, good pro game? Um, during the regular season, definitely a good college game. The, mm. the environment's crazy, you know, because I think what where it stems from is the loyalty to the team. The you know, majority of people are alumni. They Yes, people are gambling on games and they're, they have their interest and all that but they just genuinely care where at the NFL level it's they they bet on this team. They, and the second they start losing, they boo. And that, you know, these guys are getting paid and they're costing me money and blah, 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 where the loyalty factor just, and the bands and the pageantry of college football. And that's kind of why I gravitated to doing college football. Now answer this question carefully, tread water on this one. You are, the biggest football player in the history of Boston College. You are on the Notre Dame broadcast when they play each other this week. Where's Doug Flutie's heart going in this one? Oh, my my heart's with BC. There's no doubt that. Um, <laughs> but uh, Notre Dame is darn good this year. They really are. They they've always been competitive. They've always had big offensive linemen. They've always had you know real solid teams. But they also now have dynamic pass rushers and team speed on defense. And it's. Um, they, they got a chance to make a run. Well, they, they it was a great game. I'm not, I'm not giving up. On, trust me, I'm not giving up on BC. for the BC is so much improved. It's very exciting to watch them right now. So, yeah, they'll give it everything they got for sure. And they almost beat Clemson the week the week prior, right? Oh, yeah. The week before, they had Clemson on the ropes. We're way yeah. up, up 18 late in the game or in the second half. And um kind of tried to just they looked down saw their jerseys and realized who they were and like tried to just hang on and got <laughs> beat but um they really they've played some really good football this year at Boston College and they can be very they got a kid Zay Flowers that's a sophomore at receiver that is as good as anyone in the country he's a dynamic kid and the quarterback is Phil Jakovic who's a transfer from Notre Dame mm. and he's at BC now and he is a big time quarterback so they're they're, they're fun to watch so I say you're the most famous football player in the history of BC, and I say it matter-of-factly, and it's still probably true, but I did forget Matt Ryan, so you have Matt, a little bit of competition. Matt's done some things that I did not do in the NFL, for sure. <laughs> Matt, Matt got himself within inches of a Super Bowl win, um, the, the old 28-3 lead for Atlanta with the Patriots, um, and he's just had a dynamic career, a Hall of Fame career in the NFL. So uh, I, I'm jealous a lot that Matt has accomplished. I root for him every week. Patriots, Falcons in that 28-3 Super Bowl. Who was your first call after? Tom Brady for a congratulations or Matt Ryan for an I'm sorry? Um, I think the text went to Tommy first. <laughs> sorry to say. Um, uh, I've, I've periodically, and um, Matt Ryan's uncle, a guy named John Lockery, was the starting quarterback at Boston College when I got there. And was oh, like wow. A, yeah, he was a junior. And I wind up taking over and Johnny Locke and I have stayed close enough, you know, that we still text and all that. So, um, you know, I still care quite a bit about how Matt's doing and, and, you know, keep it. I just try to let him know how proud of him I am all the time. 
Well, let's like get into anyone that went to BC. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into the uh, Patriots win. Aaron, give me the final call. Bob Sosi, Scott Zolak on the call. The kick, Nick Folk, 51 yards. Let me hear the end call, the game-winning kick there by Nick Folk. Folk in the staggered stance waits. The snap delivers. The placement. Swing of the right leg. Kick is driven yeah. to the uprights. Right down the middle. It's good. And the Patriots win it. Nick Folk. Converts the game winner as time expires on a 30 to 27 victory. So the Pats win 30 to 27. Doug, they're three and five. They're on the fringes of the playoff conversation. The thing I'm most happy about, to be honest with you, is that because they stayed in the fringes of the uh, playoff conversation, I don't have to force myself to learn college quarterbacks just yet because. Like everyone knows Fields and everyone knows Lawrence, but I'm Zach Wilson at BYU and Trey Lance at North Dakota. If the Pats became two and six, I was going to have to become mock draft guy. And I don't want to be mock draft guy yet. I want to be playoff guy, Doug. Not yet. It's still hold out for hope for playoffs. Teams can get to the playoffs at eight and eight. Probably doesn't happen over in the AFC. You know, you can win a conference over in the NFC at eight and eight. You know, they, what was it? Oh, and three or one and three and tied for first. Anyway, um, now not just yet. There's still a sliver of hope, and you just they got they they at times played really good football, and last week could have won very the three games they could have won, you know. So um, it's hard to get those wins back, and at the end of the year, you know you're going to have a couple more close ones go the other way. So it's it's a tough haul. They're playing better and better each. The last two weeks have been very encouraging. I know it was the Jets. Last night, I know it was an 0-8 team, but the second half of football looked pretty darn good for the Patriots. Doug, I know what you're going to say because you were a former player. This is a disconnect between players and just fans. You're going to tell me style points don't matter and every win is great and the NFL is hard to win. Me, the fan, though, I'm going to tell you that my eyes tell me an 0-8 team took them to the brink and was up by double digits in the fourth quarter. They won the game. I'm happy with the result. I can't sit here and say I thought they played all that well, though. I, I thought they played really well in that second half and in the, through the fourth quarter. I thought that was good football. Yeah. Um, there, there's some elements that are definitely missing. They need to get pressure on a quarterback. Flacco uh, looked exceptional at times early on, especially. You know, the, And you and I talk about – we can talk about this a little later about the ease in which he throws a football. But it's a different team with him at quarterback. He is – He's not going to make a lot of mistakes. He's going to be efficient with the football and hit the big play. And the pressure, you know, whether it's the first quarter, fourth quarter, he's going to be the same guy. He's always performed well against the Patriots in the past. Yes. Um, I, go ahead. I got to give the Pets a little bit of an out. They did have a lot of injuries, right? Lawrence Guy didn't play and Stephon Gilmore didn't play. And they're beaten up all over the field and the receivers are out. So I understand that. There's a degree of that there, but – The defense still looked like garbage to me. You talk about the lack of pass rush. J.C. Jackson had a pick, but he got burned a bunch. Jason McCourty got burned a bunch. And on offense, they ran the ball well, but I felt like I was at my high school watching a game on Friday night. Let's just line up and hand it off 47 times. That's what it felt like to me. I think I had that conversation with you a couple of weeks back where, oh, run the ball to win. Run the ball. No, run the ball to stay in the game. Yeah. You've got to throw the ball to win. When it comes down to that, the, the conversions, what was it, third and 20-ish, and they picked up an 18 or 19-yarder and then convert. Yes. I mean, those are the plays that win the game for you. And you've got to be explosive in the pass game. We were both kind of excited. They went play action on the first play and had a 
the deep cross or actually started across and then back to the corner, hit a big play, yeah. ball was in the air, 25 yards. It's like, oh, my God. And actually, Cam looked – his feet were completely set for the throw, and he just kind of threw it, and it was still accurate. And that got me excited. Um, yeah. But as the game went on, even the balls he was – Cam played great. He hit these uh, – big 10 to 15 yard plays, but it looks like so much effort for him to throw the ball that it hurts me. Um, I mean, he's, he's throwing, he threw some great balls, some really tight windows on conversion downs. He avoided rushing. He avoided sacks. Um, he didn't get sacked at all. And he should have been sacked about five times. He, he did a great job of just getting the incompletion, getting it away. So he did a lot of great things, but I wish I wish it looked a little more effortless throwing the ball down the field. That's all I can say. You're right. Aaron, let's get to let's get to my takeaways because I want to go off that point also. So give me the overall takeaways. Overall takeaways. Number one. I'm with you too. I like Cam a lot. I think he's handled things well, but everything does look like a struggle. Everything looks hard. Like I thought Flacco was washed three years ago. They get rid of him in Baltimore. They get rid of him in Denver. Everybody wants to play the young guy. He can't start for the 0-8 team unless Darnold's hurt. And Flacco just steps back there, flicks the wrist, and boom, it looks like a natural throwing motion. Cam just like, it looks like A, B, C, D, and it's got, it just looks uncomfortable. Oh, it's a labor. And you and I were texting throughout the game and talking to each other. And when Flacco threw a deep ball, he was drifting away from the rush a little bit and falling off his back and just as he did, he just flicked his wrist, which to me, when I was drifting away, it was a lot easier to make that ball go up and down and drop yeah. it in over the top. And I don't see that Cam can do that. Cam needs two hands on the ball, the ball up by the ear, the feet set and stepping in the throws. And um, it just, it just is tough. And, but, but the amazing thing was his completion percentage was amazing. He hit all these balls that it, when the ball, when the ball comes out of his, when ball comes out of Cam's hand on a mid-range throw, a, a 12 to 18 yard throw, it looks like it's nose diving to me. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. in the dirt. Well, it still was about waist high. The guy made a nice catch. He put it where he wanted to put it, but it just the, the angle, something about the way it was coming out looked like it was going to be low, but no, he's got a strong arm on that mid-range stuff, and the ball gets there, but. Um, you got that touch of being able to flick your wrist. You know, when you watch Flacco throw, it looks very natural and relaxed. You know, it's hard for me to say this because I was a Division three baseball player. I didn't win the Heisman Trophy. I didn't win a national championship. I understand that. But Cam doesn't look like the athlete that we've given him credit for. And what I mean by that is, is that he reminds me of an NBA player who has a bunch of athleticism. It's kind of a freight train. But then as they get older and they lose some of that athleticism, they haven't developed the jump shot. Like Kobe and <laughs> Kobe and Michael developed the mid-range game. Yeah. Russell Westbrook just puts his head down, runs to the hoop, and can't shoot. That's kind of where I feel like Cam is at. He needs to transition in his career, but I don't know that he really has that, that kind of finesse to him. Yeah, they, they were talking early. Well, I'll get to that, that first. Actually, I think he's done a tremendous job running the football this year because he's done things that he does well. And, yeah, I agree with you. It's not the uh, elusive athleticism and making people miss. But he's still got decent enough speed and strength to break through an arm tackle, put his head down and get eight yards, ten yards. And he's been very efficient running the ball. Uh, the last two games he's been very efficient throwing the football. 
um, or, you know, it just, uh, I agree that it doesn't look, uh, fluid. It doesn't look pretty. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah, look, it pretty. doesn't look pretty, but you know, to be able to quarterback sneak on the short yardage plays and get the first downs easily to do the, the zone read and short passing game is efficient and it keeps the ball moving. But again, to score points in the NFL, they put a 13 yard or 13 play 78 yard drive together. And it was methodical. One kept converting on third down, barely getting, you know, get, and that's hard to do. They did two of those drives late in the game that are hard to do. And you've, you, you can't rely on the fact that you're going to be able to do that week in and week out without getting some big chunk plays. I've really wanted to ask you this question for the last like 10 hours. I've been sitting on this. <laughs> I do not want to be a hypocrite. Okay. The Patriots, Cam Newton had two touchdowns, seven picks going into yesterday's game. They have beaten themselves the last couple of weeks with turnovers. I have asked the Patriots to not beat themselves and be what they usually are, which is pretty um, diligent with the football and pretty good at the quote little things. But where is the balance between not beating yourself and being far too conservative? Because whether it was play calling or whether it was Cam just leaving some meat on the bone, there were plays there, and Greasy was telling you on the ESPN yeah. broadcast, he's like, hey, if he waits two two seconds here, the tight end's going to be open for 15. He throws the dump off for five. Where's that line? Yeah, I it's um, the one play that stands out to me is he hit a little six-yard completion that I think was short of a first down. Yeah. And he had a corner route breaking open. He had a ball down the field breaking open. Um, the fine line is don't turn it over. Don't turn it over. You, you – start to protect the football and take the quick check down, but you stop making plays. And as a quarterback, you can't lose confidence. You can't lose the ability to be aggressive. You can still be aggressive with the football and not turn it over. You miss in the safe spot. If I'm going for that corner route, it's going to be high and outside. It's going to be away from the defender. I'm going to make my guy go to the ball. I'm going to put it in the spot that only he can get it and the other guy can't. And a big part of being able to be aggressive and still protecting the ball is understanding what you're seeing, the coverage you're seeing and knowing and anticipating you're making the right decision. I'm making the right decision. The coverage went this, they went quarters. I cleared the safety out. I got a shot at the post and I know I, I'm processing all that and bang the ball thrown with confidence. You throw it on time with confidence and you know, and Greasy was indicating early in the game last night that they can't do some of the things right now with Cam that they did with Tom. Protection-wise, uh, read-wise, he's just not quite there yet. You know, it's the first year in an offense, and it's it's not the stuff that he did his whole career. The stuff – we saw it in the early part of the season. The stuff that he was comfortable with were zone reads, quarterback runs, short passing game, little bootleg hit the guy. You know, that stuff, there's not a lot of thought process. And the other stuff is slowly coming. We're still not at the point where we can see Cam Newton get up, get back in the gun, spread people out, and just go methodically down the field. You know, although he started out the game great. I mean, the, the numbers were were phenomenal. I don't know how many in a row he hit to start the game, but it's getting there, and he's getting close to it. The aggressiveness, a lot of that has to do with somebody being in your ear to protect the ball, and what you're seeing, being confident in what you're seeing, you can anticipate and be accurate with the football up the field. Game manager has become a dirty term for quarterbacks. I don't hate it, right? Like generally, if you told me my quarterback's not going to be the reason we lose this game, I'd be okay with it. But we've become, I think, spoiled a little bit 
We see Russell Wilson take shots. We see Kyler Murray do things. We see Patrick Mahomes throw five touchdowns. We all think our guys should be able to do that. They all don't do that. Like, again, game manager, I think, is okay, but we have this expectation that our guys should be taking shots, and Cam's not doing that. And I think that's where the, the frustration comes for fans. Yeah, we can't. We can't. The Patriots are not going to win a Super Bowl being a game manager or quarterback. Hmm. And Cam. They, I mean, when the game's on the line, they ride Cam, though. They're on his – you know, he's running for first downs. It's a shorter passing like, – again, the only the only aspect that's missing is the downfield pass game. That's the – offensively, that's the aspect that's missing, and it makes the other stuff even harder. He threw four passes yesterday, 20 mm-hmm. yards down the field. Four. Yeah. He was two, two for four, and I don't know if that's a good number or not, but well, – for Go ahead. No, I just – Whatever these are, thirty passes, four of them went twenty yards down the field. You know, and and that was a lot for Cam. Yeah, and that's a lot because and it doesn't. You know, the first one looked normal to me. It looked like he just kind of his, his, he wasn't in great position to make the throw, but still made a nice accurate throw. Kind of shifted his hips a little with his shoulder and just made the throw with his arm, which NFL quarterbacks can do. I mean. Flacco's not setting his feet when he's throwing the ball down the field. Mahomes doesn't have to set his feet when he throws the ball on a corner route or halfway across the field. Or, you know, you talk about being a baseball player, and that's where that comes in. Yeah. I was a middle infielder. I can throw it sidearm. I could throw a jump pass. I could, you know, you just the ball's got to go when the ball when all of a sudden you know, you're sliding and moving because of pass rush. He Cam has to slide and move, and he did this a couple of times. He broke the tackle, slipped back up. And made a huge completion, but yep. he doesn't pull the trigger until that ball's back in position and the feet are set and he's thrown from the shoulder of the ear. Where Mahomes can sidestep it and just leave the ball down by his, his hip and sling it. So, those are being a natural thrower of the ball, whether it's you know the athleticism, I think is a big part of it. I said, you know, a couple of weeks back, maybe there's a little something still not quite doesn't feel right in his shoulder. Because at times, I mean, I remember back college, I remember thinking of Cam as a guy that that ball just came out naturally all the time. And now it's just like he's working hard, and it makes it more difficult to be accurate up the field. There's two stats out of yesterday's game I love. One is this one. Cam Newton was 1-38 in in his career when trailing by double digits in the fourth (laughs) quarter. And yesterday he got to win. And this one is a little my own personal edition of Patriots history, and I want to see your reaction to this. So – Yesterday was the fourth straight game the Patriots have not thrown a touchdown pass. That is tied for the longest in their history. The last time, 1988. Were you said starting quarterback who did not throw touchdown passes in 1988? I I don't believe so. I thought I – I mean, my numbers weren't – we were throwing the ball like 10 to 15 times a game while I was a quarterback. Um, I hope not. I hope <laughs> not. I, Maybe I can't if- guarantee it. I know I started a lot of games in 88. Was it 88? It was 88. Yeah, 88. I Maybe yeah. Aaron can look. Aaron, look it up and hit look me it up. The I, I, on I started a lot of games in 88. I started a lot of games. We struggled early, so I'm, I'm hoping that window of no touchdowns was early in the season. <laughs> That's all so, I can say. Aaron's going to get to the bottom of that. But, yeah, 1988 Patriots, four touchdowns. Uh, or four games, rather, without a touchdown. So we'll get to the bottom of that if Give it was you. Favor, though, look, look at the record during those games, too, though. I We will. Aaron will get it. He'll we give us games. I had No lie. I had games where I was 7 of 9 or 9 of 11, 
five out of 10. Um, and we won those games. It was, it was, you know, that, that's no called wonder, protecting no, your quarterback. Yeah. No wonder you played so deep into your forties. You didn't get hit at all in the early part of your career. Just doing oh, that. What, what happened. And this is the guy I get in. When I get in the game now, defensive ends are staying home. They're afraid to blitz you. They're afraid to do this. And we hammered the football and ran naked bootlegs and, uh, you know, threw the ball on third down. And that yeah. was about, and we were winning. We were winning low score and ugly games, but we were winning. Um, and a, a point I wanted to make, uh, you know, Cam had a really nice drive in the uh, game tying drive. Yep. And then the field goal to win it was one of the most conservative play calling drives to go win a game I've ever seen in my life. Two screen passes and a couple of runs mixed in and a couple of short throws and they got the long field goal. It was, it was like, we don't want to turn this over. There's only 40 seconds left. It's okay. We'll start with the screen. Oh, we got 11, 12 yards. Okay. Maybe we'll try this slip a run in there on second medium or so it was kind of the most conservative game winning drive I've ever seen, but it, it worked. They had one timeout left and like, Oh man, they had one timeout left and then they ended up doing a run play. And I'm like, what are they doing? They end up calling the last time out and then he hits the big pass to Myers. But I'm like, what is this run play? Oh. Like 20 seconds left of the game. They wanted to run the ball to get the first down, I think. Mm -hmm. And then they went up and spiked it. It's like, use yes. your timeout. I would have, and, and I, you know, Bill's Bill. He, Bill's philosophy and talking to Bill, he wants to use one timeout between a minute and a minute and a half, one between 30 seconds and a minute, and have one left between 30 seconds mm -hmm. and zero. And my philosophy on timeouts has always been, when you make a big play, call timeout because you're going to have to run too far, use up more time. I would always wanted to call the timeout on the plays where I know I saved the maximum amount of time. The plays are going to take a lot longer to get the next one run. And I don't yeah. care if they all happen right in a row or not because the clock's going to be the clock. Instead, you're still going to have a minute on the clock when you have no timeouts. So what? If you didn't call those timeouts, you'd be down to 20 seconds. So that's just the general philosophy. But um, I was surprised they didn't call the timeout immediately after that run. Yeah, you know what? You're right. They had spiked it first, not the timeout. Um, Doug, you started apparently three of the five games in which the Patriots did not throw a touchdown. So five games in the 88, they didn't throw a touchdown pass in a row. You started three of them. All right. Well, so, three out of that window. We'll blame it on the offensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator was my great uncle, Rod Humanek. So I blame it on play call. Okay, that might have been – that might have been towards the end. Was it at the end of the year or early in the year? I think it's the end of the year. Aaron will have to give us the answer there, too. So, uh, here, Aaron, I'll pop you in for a second. Aaron, pop Aaron, pop in here. Oh, the last five games of the year, you say, huh? Yeah, it was the last five games, and you guys did not attempt a lot of passes. The first game where you didn't throw any touchdowns was against Miami, and you guys attempted 13 passes total. And we won the game. Yep. Okay. <laughs> What's the next one? Seattle? See, uh, let's see. Uh, Indy. Indy. Did we win the game? Nope, you lost, and then you won against Seattle. And then we beat uh, Seattle. So you went, you went two, two and one in your three two games. It was, it was ugly. Trust me, it wasn't my play call, and I did not want to. And <laughs> at the time, Rod Hummer was not calling the plays just yet. Oh, okay. Well, good. It's not on my uncle then. But I'll still blame it on him just for fun. Yeah. So, um, Trust me. I want to be a shotgun and throw the ball 40 times a game. 
Well, thanks to Aaron for finding that. Um, I want to ask you about this. I had Patriots broadcaster Bob Sosi today on my radio show, and I asked him about conservative play calling and Cam's conservative nature. Um, he shared with me something interesting. I want your take on this. Aaron, let's hear what Bob Sosi told me today on WDEV radio. Do you have to get into a situation where you're not losing games? Chuck Knoll said it when he became the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he took over a woeful team. He said before you learn how to win games in the NFL, you have to learn how to not lose them. Do you believe that? So the, uh, he's saying the Patriots were conservative because they just needed to get into a spot where they weren't beating themselves. Are you buying that? I understand that. I I don't agree 100% with that. I, I And I think I've said this before on, on our – my attitude, I've, I've been on teams where I said it about Boston College last week, right? They got up by 18 points on Clemson and yeah. try, try to hold on to that, you know, let's learn. how. No, stay aggressive, keep going after it, score as many points as you can, and at the end of the game, let's look up and see how much we won ball. And that has always been – I made the mistake once early in my career of being conservative and protecting the football and all of a sudden – they make one big play, the game changes, and you lose. And I will never do that again. I will score as many. And if they weren't – like when when Tom and Bill were together and teams would complain about them running up the score, screw that. If you don't like it, do something about it. Um, that's got to be the attitude. See, I agree with you, but I think it's totally dependent on your situation and your standing in the organization. I get why Cam might be a little gun shy, right? He's right. fighting for a starting job. He's fighting for his job. He's fighting for his career. He doesn't want to look bad. He doesn't want it. Like Mahomes has the, the 12-year contract and $500 million. He can take as many shots as he wants, and he still gets the ball next Sunday. Cam doesn't have that kind of luxury. Um, I do think it depends on who you are and what your standing is a little bit. I agree, but that's, you know, who is – that's the talent level of your team and your quarterback. You know, that's who you are. That's – you know, we go back to those Patriot games where I threw the ball ten times a game, and uh, that's a try-not-to-lose attitude in my, yeah. in my book. Um, you go to the games I played in Canada, and I'm still throwing the ball with two minutes left up to 20. I don't yeah. care. Um and so, yeah, it depends on who you have at quarterback. It depends on your team and the, your your the style of play. I will say the things that were encouraging about this were – and you know what? They did it the week before. They went right down the field at the end of the game, and, and Cam got stripped. But he's performed well at the end of games in general. It just – the mistake happens. So maybe that's why they got you – know, like I said, the game-winning drive being a couple of screen passes, a couple of runs mixed in, and one decent completion. Aaron, let's get to what they're saying, because I want to run this by Doug. Let's get to what are they saying. Sometimes people say stupid things. I said, how do I want Patriot games to go? For Cam to play great and they to lose in heartbreak. Yeah, check and it. check. Everything came up, Nick, right you this week. Sometimes people say smart things. But it works. I thought Cam was accurate. I thought he made really good decisions. They played to his strengths. Locally, regionally, nationally. Here's what they're saying about your New England Patriots. All right, Jeff Saturday, former Pro Bowl, I think all pro center for the Indianapolis Colts, played with Peyton Manning. He said this today on ESPN about Cam. Aaron, let's hear what Jeff Saturday said. Just the energy and excitement that quarterbacks are kind of bringing to their team, I expected that out of Cam Newton, and you just don't see it. I mean, it's like it's just 
hard work, right? It's laborious. It's like there's just no joy in it. And I know he had it early on the season, but you just see on the sideline, man, like such a relief that they're beating a winless Jets team. I mean, that's the part that's probably the most disappointing. Do you think that Cam is playing with no energy? Because that sounds that sounds like a knock. Playing bad is one thing, but playing without energy sounds like a knock. Do you think that's true? I don't. I think he actually is playing with energy. Um, when bad things have happened to you, when you lose four in a row, when you struggle, it's like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. So the emotional level that you the persona that comes out and that has always been Cam. We saw in the first couple of weeks, he was bouncing yep. around and looking. It's hard. And it's hard to do that when you're losing. Um, doesn't mean he's not fighting as hard. Doesn't mean he's not trying. Doesn't, it's just hard to uh, personify that. He showed a lot of gut and a lot of heart. And I know they're playing an 0-8 Jets team, but he plays his tail off. He plays as hard as he can possibly play. Guys realize that. And you could tell – at the end of that game, when they scored the touchdown to tie it, and then eventually went on to win. But when that touch, the guys on the team were genuinely happy for Cam. Yeah, you could see the way they were reacting to him. So obviously, and I'm, I'm, I don't read everything out there that is being said by people about Cam or about the team and all that. So you could tell Cam must be getting beat up mentally, and this was a load off his back. And maybe next week he'll come out with more bounce, but. That doesn't mean he's not out there trying as hard as he can and giving it everything he has. I also think that there is a degree of truth to this, that I think Cam Newton is affected more than the average player by having no fans at games. I mean, Cam is an emotional player who feeds either on your love of him or feeds on your hate of him. And that (laughs) not being there, I think it's really hard to create your own adrenaline and Sometimes people will say maybe he's been too emotional in his career, but to have no emotion being provided to you, I think that hinders him. I think you may be right there. I, that's a very good observation. I think uh, some guys love – Deion Sanders love playing to the crowd all the time. The guys that catch the ball play to the crowd. Uh, Cam with this Superman thing in the end zone and the dapping and all that stuff. I, I You know, that wasn't me. I could go out in the backyard and play three on three with kids and be as competitive as I am on <laughs> Sunday or Monday night. It just, I can't help it. That's, I didn't care if it was a Monday night game or a Sunday afternoon game or whatever. It all was, I was so, I don't know. I'm one of the most competitive people I've ever compared to uh, some. Anyway, uh, Cam, maybe he needs that. You know, he does like playing to the crowd. He does like, uh, the chance, you know, and I say this, the chance to show off and it, it's yeah. what drives a lot of guys. You just, you want to, you want people, you, I was one that wanted my mom and dad in the stands. Wanted, my younger brother, who also ended up playing in the NFL and CFL, he didn't want, he didn't want the family in the stands. It, it bothered him, you know, and yeah. I always wanted that. And I think Cam's one of those guys that wants the people there. To, this is, look at me, I'm great. I want to show off for you. And that's yeah, perfectly fine. You know, I want to ask you this, and I haven't gotten confirmation on this now, but I believe it to be the case. I think Cam's in New England alone. His family is not with him. He said it a couple of weeks ago that this was a business trip for him. Coming to Foxborough was a business trip. And I'm sure part of it is COVID and kids in school, et cetera. But when you're isolated there and you don't have your family and 
everything is just about the job and the job's not going well, I can see it not being as, quote, fun as maybe Jeff Saturday wants it to be. I'll tell you right now, NFL is being an NFL starting quarterback is not fun. It's work. Hmm. It's 14 hour days. It's everything under a microscope. It's tedious. It's there's no days off. There's no there's no Thanksgiving. There's no Christmas. There's no New Year's. It's put your head down and go. Um, I when I was in uh, Buffalo, one of the best seasons I had, my son had just been diagnosed with autism and my wife and Dougie went back to Boston for testing for most of the year. And I was in Buffalo by myself. So all I did was eat, sleep, and drink football. I stay at the office late with the coaches breaking down film. So I think as as a player, you take advantage of that and you stay at the office. And play. Now they don't need to because they got all the film on their computers and stuff at home and tablet. But basically, um, the most time I ever spent game planning and being a part of it with the coaches were the years that I was by myself. There were a couple of years that that happened. And, uh, you know, I would think that, that would play now again you need that release sometimes and be around the other guys maybe or, or something to break it up but um i think what that lends it to even being more locked in but for a guy like cam that isolation may be you know, quote depressing almost you know it's funny you say you're talking about the tablets and looking at the film one of the things we've missed in in today's modern day football one of my favorite things and i don't know why but you would have done it in the 90s a lot. I used to love watching the quarterback and the coordinator sit there with the printouts of the film and then talk on the giant phone. I'd love to see the quarterback pick up the phone and call to the booth, and then you're looking at the actual actual printouts. Of the, I don't know what you were looking at and what you're saying on the phone, but I always thought it was cool. They used to have uh, Polaroids, still shots. Yes. They, they take a still shot pre-snap, so you see the formation and the alignment, and then a, a second post, you know, just a, a little bit after post snap, a second. So you see the drops and you know what the blitz was and all that. Wow. Oh, I, you know what? I thought that was covered too. No, they went quarters. They, the corners drifted yeah. off. Or he was impressed. He was impressed, man. No, he pressed bailed. He got out of there. Oh, they brought the second guy. You were hot, blah, blah, blah. And that's the stuff you, want, you know, wanted to see. Now they probably is, and I don't, I don't even know, is it video that they're, they, they're not watching video yet. Yeah, I think they're watching on that tablet. I don't know. Well, I don't know if it's video. I don't know if it's on the tablet. Video or not, but video was outlawed. Like I, I knew certain teams would videotape the first half, and when they got to the locker room, would go through a series or something. Uh, Totally illegal. And and, yeah, that you're not allowed to do that. Um, So I don't know whether they're allowed to see actual video of the player, just the pre-snap, you know, photos. Um, one other thing on the cam and emotion, this whole year is an audition for cam. So I feel like part of him probably also just hasn't let it go because we were all worried about how will he fit with Belichick and will he handle things the right way and how will they mesh together? And now the team's lost a bunch of games and he's not playing well. So he doesn't want to look like, you know, that showboating, arrogant, cocky player. I feel like cam's trying to figure out exactly who he is and who he should be in new England and couple that with losing. I think he's trying to figure out exactly like, okay, where's the line? I don't want to cross it. Well, that's that's why you don't do the showboating when you win. That's why you don't parade around. and Because you know there's going to be a day where you struggle. It's just going to – look at Tom Tom Brady, oh. right? Tom's night. He says, has he ever had a tougher struggle than that? 
you know, it, you just you don't parade around and prance in the glory. It's a long season. Um, so, you know, that's why you need maturity at the position. You need a level head at the position. You still need to figure out how to be a leader when things aren't going well. That's such a big part of it uh, to to stay the same person, stay con consistent is the most difficult thing. Yeah, it, it's I can't tell you what a grind week in and week out of the NFL is at the quarterback position. It's tough. And when you're not winning, it feels like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. And that's why you saw the faces of the guys when they won that game and when they scored that touchdown to tie it, they weren't genuinely happy for Cam. And, you know, he's got to he's got to learn to keep a little bit of an even keel on the good and the bad. I have like a hundred things I want to ask, but I'm going to end up asking one of them and then I'm going to save it, save the other things for the next podcast. Um, Aaron, give me the notable sounder. One, one thing I really got to ask Doug about out of, out of last night's game. It might be big. It might not be, but it caught our attention. One big note from the game. So Cam against the Blitz was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. He went 18 of 24 against the Blitz. 18 of 24 against the Blitz, and the Jets blitzed him on 70% of dropbacks. Now, the Jets didn't sack him at all because they're the Jets, and they either couldn't wrap him up or couldn't get to him. <laughs> but regardless, 18 of 24 against the Blitz. Did you like throwing against the Blitz, or did the Blitz intimidate I, you? I loved when people blitzed me. And there's a couple philosophies. One is – and when I was in college and when I was starting out, the philosophy was if they blitz you, let's make them pay for it. We're going to hit the home run, throw that post route, right? They know you're trying to hit the home run. They play it, they back off, or if they play and press, they're hauling and, and trying to get in a good position. I went to when they are blitzing, they're going to play all play inside leverage. They're going to yep. worry about giving up the home run. The quick out by a slot receiver is stealing. An outbreaking route is stealing. If I want to hit a big play, I want to throw an outbreaking route. I want to throw the corner route. Well, you don't have enough time to throw the corner route. Yes, you do. If you're Patrick Mahomes, if you're Russell Wilson, if you're Lamar Jackson, you just keep backpedaling and buying time because it's not a hard throw. It's a lob throw. You don't have to set your feet and gun it on a line. You just buy time and drift away from that unblocked guy and lay it out there. And I think if you take the philosophy of I just want a completion, you can be a high percentage guy. And all you need to do, they're, they're going to have some separation on those outbreaking routes. And they'll break a tackle and they'll go the 80 yards. So that was always my what I gravitated to was let's go higher percentage. And the receivers are good enough athletes that they're going to make it a big play. And, and they will. And like I said, and now this day and age, guys are getting more accustomed to drifting away from the unblocked man and still making a throw up the field. If you can hold the ball, and this is why I talked about hard play action. If you can find a way to hold on to the ball for an extra half a second, especially in man coverage, big plays happen. Big play down the field for Cam. He had a guy hitting him on the left shoulder. He pulled through it. He stepped yeah. up, reset, and makes the throw. If you have that extra half a second, that's when the big play is going to happen. Is the design of the blitz from the defensive standpoint, is it to, like when I see the blitz, I think as a fan, okay, my team's going for the sack. Is that really the case? Are you looking for the sack? Are you looking to force the sack, which causes the, the, the forced fumble? Are you just looking to get, hey, get the ball out of his hands as quick as possible and we'll try to make a tackle in the open field? What are you looking for? 
you're looking to get a hit on the quarterback. You're looking to make him rush that throw by this just a fraction of a second. Like I just talked about holding on to it the extra fraction of a second. If you can make him get rid of it a fraction of a second earlier than he wanted to, chances are it's going to be incomplete. If you get the sack, that's a bonus. If you get the strip sack, whatever, that's awesome. But the more dangerous plays are blitz zones where you get the pressure on the quarterback and you get the hit on him and he forces a throw early and he guesses. Now it's up in the air and that's where the interceptions come. Sometimes you're blitzing on a third and long. Sometimes it's third and 10 and you say, look, let's overload blitz them. We'll play off coverage, even though it's man-to-man and it looks thin. We'll play off. We break on the ball. We make the tap. Let him catch it. Make the tap. The ball's got to come out quick. He'll catch it. Let's tap them. Fourth and four. They're punting. Okay. And that – so there's different – depending on down and distance. You know, edge of field goal range, we want the sack. We're going to pressure him. That, that's why they talk about that edge of the red zone where you want to pressure the quarterback. Uh, shoot, way back in the Super Bowl against the Rams – Bill Belichick just finally said, screw it. I'm going all out blitz, and we're either going to end this game that way or you're going to throw the touchdown pass and leave us enough time to go back down the field. And that's what they did. They hit the touchdown, but it gave the Patriots enough time where if they get first downs, they're going to run out the clock and win the game. Fascinating. Uh, Patriots with a win over the Jets, 30-27. to He's Doug Flutie, former Patriots quarterback, CFL Hall of Famer, Aaron Wells, who chimed in as well doing our research and playing all the sounds behind the scenes. I'm Brady Farkas. We will be back again later this week getting ready for the Ravens. I got a couple questions on Lamar Jackson. I got more questions for Doug that I just need answers to. So we'll see you guys all soon. And until then, go Pats. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.